Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the war room. We got Tez, Q, Jimmy, PJ, B. Austin, the hot block commander. How you want to end up one or two hour show to keep the brain running with the premise of talk sports on a national level? Both with the topic, sort of like the rubber. When it's game time, they like the fat five doing prime time. Sports be bombarded, we get minds a little bit. For sports medicine and sports veterans and greats. The 4 for 26, so the war ain't can wait. It's the war room with five nights at the round table. Five silly guys, diversified and educated. What's good, War Room family? You are once again live in the War Room, brought to you by War Room Sports on the War Room Sports Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Dev McMillan. I'm at the round table with my brother, B. Austin, in the building. Jimmy's out saving sick, uh, sick kids in the, uh, the, the, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, so he won't be with us this evening. However, man. It was a year of unlikely sports moments, and we'll discuss some of our most surprising moments in our 2018 in-review episode. So keep it locked right here while we put a bow on 2018. And to get in on the conversation, make sure you sign in right now to the JW Philly Realty chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash the war room, or join us on Facebook or Twitter at War Room Sports. You can also call us directly in about 10 minutes after we gamble with Gus. And open up the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline. That number, as usual, is 323-410-0012. But before we get started, you know the drill. Make sure that during the week when we're not live on the air, you check out archived episodes of our show at warroomsports.com, the War Room Sports mobile app, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google. Look, man, wherever you go to listen to podcasts, check for us because we're most likely in the building. So what up, B? Another year in the can. What say you about sports year 2018? Yo, man, before we get into the sports, man, I would just like to salute uh, Vladimir Putin for getting his mole into the White House, man. It's amazing, man. It's amazing. <laughs> what he, yeah, uh, it, it, it's, it's been a rough year. It's been an entertaining year, but it's been a rough year because, you know, usually – you can look at, at, you know, this whole political system from afar. And even though we're all considered quote unquote Americans, you may not like a candidate. You may love a candidate. And either way, on either side of that coin, nothing they do affects your life personally. But in, in, in this little bit of time, I think Trump has effectively been able to actually affect the lives of the people that don't like him, shit, he's negatively affecting the lives lives of the people who voted for him. Um, but you'll never get them to say anything crazy. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's different. It's been entertaining, but at the same time, it's like, all right, slow down, cuz, because that touches my family. <laughs> that touches my family. But um, yeah, I mean, man, I never forget about that dude, man. Huh? Should never seen nothing like it. Maybe no, Uncle Var, maybe Uncle Var can run, man. Same difference. Yeah, man. You know, it, at this point, the country is like the laughing stock of the earth, so you know, <laughs> can't go anywhere but up, right? Um, meanwhile, you know, he got hundreds of thousands of people out of work with no checks and no prospects of checks, and you know, because he because. 
his tough talk towards Mexico didn't work. So now he's going to put it off on the American people, the people that he claims to love. Um, talking out of both sides of his mouth, saying that the federal workers want the wall. And then on another note says, most of the federal workers um, affected are Democrats. That was his way of trying to strong on the Democrats and the, the working women. So it's like, make up your mind, dude. First you say the federal no. workers want the wall, so they're willing to sacrifice their checks and their jobs for a little while until he gets funding for the wall. And then he comes out the very, like this dude is, you know, not to make light of any mental illness, but for what most of us imagine bipolarism is, like it has to be something along these lines. It really does. Yo, um, you're right, man. And I saw a great, uh, a great interview done um, by the police officer Vlad uh, from DJ Vlad um, of DL Hughley. And DL made some amazing points, one of them being that I believe I stand with him on this. I'm going to fight for the rights of any impacted human group, like human rights. But don't try and subjugate my ability to laugh because I'm not going to feel sorry at the fact I still laugh at retarded people. And Trump is retarded, so I'm going to laugh. Hopefully we don't get banned from the airwaves, but I'm going to laugh at that dude, man. All right, man. Look, man, 2018 was a crazy year. I think 2018 was one of those years where a lot of the moments, a lot of the storylines, a lot of the results were surprising. You know, a lot of teams doing things after a long time. A lot of teams who've never done anything ever uh, got some big things accomplished. So we're going to talk about that kind of stuff tonight in our year in review episode for 2018 but before we do that we got to talk to Gus about some of these investments Gus had a very good week last week so before we do that of course we got to let you know that hot topics which includes gambling with Gus and our year in review uh brought to you by my bookie let's take a moment real quick to talk some talk some betting uh, since we are about to talk to Gus, the NBA, the NFL, the, the NHL seasons are chugging right along. And, you know, you can also, there's a whole lot of other host of sports out there that you can make bets on as well. Um, because of this, this is a great time to check out my bookie. You can lay down some dough on the biggest games in sports, join us and thousands of other online players placing bets at mybookie.ag. If you're tired of wondering what the services are going to do when you win, taking a little long to pay you. You don't have to worry about that anymore because mybookie.com pays fast and with no hassles. You're wasting your time betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting so you can place wagers after the game starts. Think that's crazy? This is even crazier. Join now and mybookie will match your first deposit with a 100% bonus. You heard it right, 100%. Just use promo code WARROOM, W-A-R-R-O-O-M, to activate this offer, visit mybookie.ag. Play today, play to win, get paid, period. All right. Like I said, Gus had a really good week last week, B. Austin. He was 6-0 and last week, which brings his record for the season to 41-34-3. Now, week 17, vaunted week 17 is here, so he can really end this with a bang if he had two weeks in a row. Like that, so we're gonna bring him onto the line right now. See if we can get, you know, this this luck train rolling for another week. 
Gus, what's going on, good brother? Six and zero. Good man. Address that man and six and zero, Gus. We good, like everybody who made a bet last week. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna assume that you're all bowing right now to me. (laughs) All hell, Gus. All hell. All hell. Hey, look. And three of our only upset specials. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, last week was a week full of upset specials. So, yeah, that was that was a hell of a call on on those games last week. So we're gonna get right into this week's game, and we're gonna start off with that Raiders Chiefs game. We're gonna do the over under on that one. Over under is fifty two. Where are you going on that? I'm going over. And and one thing about this should be said about this last week to the NFL's credit. A couple of years ago, they um, uh, set the schedule where the last week is always division games. And so there's always a little more intrigue as opposed to um, non-division games, even if it's not playoff implications. In this case, there is. The first game was 73 points. The Chiefs need the game to lock up the top seed. Uh, the Raiders have won three of the last six, so they're playing a little better. And there's a one who play very good defense. I take the over in that game. All right. Um, then we have the Texans versus the Jags. That line is six and a half. Um, where are you going with that one? I'm taking the Texans, laying the six and a half. The Jags defense has been subpar on the road all year long. The offense has been non-existent anywhere, road or home. Um, the Texans are trying to get into the playoffs uh, with some momentum. Uh, I think this can get a little ugly. I, I'm, you, you never know how many of the Jags are already packed and ready to go. So take the Texans minus six and a half. All right, good, good. we got the Browns versus the Ravens. This is a, a six and a half point line. Is somebody injured? <laughs> um, I think that Raven game. The Oddsmakers have a tendency to really sort of try to exploit the latest memory in the betting public's uh, mind, and the Ravens upsetting the Chargers is the latest memory. Um. The Browns plus six and a half. I'm taking the Browns. Uh, I think they're the most motivated non-playoff team that we've seen in a long time. They want that winning record. They're seven, seven, and one, and they definitely want that winning record. I think they're going to show up. The Ravens choked in this same position last year when a playoff uh, seat, when a playoff um, position was on the line against Cincinnati, a Cincinnati team that wasn't anywhere near as motivated as the Browns are this week. I'm taking the Browns plus six and a half. All right. Then we have the uh, Bucks and Falcons. The over/under on that game is fifty-one. Real simple. Neither one of them played defense all year long. What makes you think they're going to do it now? Um, take the over. Bucks Falcons. All right, over fifty-one for the Bucks Falcons. So that's that's everything right there. And also, we want you guys to go to warroomsports.com and check out Gus's latest piece on. Josh Gordon and, you know, addiction in America. Uh, it's a very good piece. You guys need to, to read up on that. If you haven't heard the story, of course, Josh Gordon last week was again suspended for uh, violating the terms of his probation and the NFL drug policy. It was funny, though, because Josh Norm, I mean, Josh Gordon, excuse me, he tried to get out in front of the story because the first that I heard of it, you know, he had come out saying that he was going to step away from the game 
because his mental health was important to him. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe he had some type of relapse, but he was mature enough to understand, okay, stepping away is the best thing. And then a, a, nah, about an hour later, he got caught. No, he got popped again and he got suspended. <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on, Josh. Now, what are we doing here? <laughs> Good try. <laughs> Part of that issue is, you know, by the time we hear about a positive test, there have been multiple positive tests already that we just didn't hear about. Um, and, with, you know, whether that's Martavius Bryant or Josh Gordon, you know, obviously the implications are bigger than sports. Um, you know, he's addiction. And you, you, can't apply, you can't apply logical thinking to addictive behavior. You just can't. True, true, yeah. very true. Sad, sad story, man. I hope he gets it all uh, together. He was, well, even as an addicted player, balling a little bit. Yeah, before we get you out of here for the last time in 2018, is there a story, a moment, or anything from this year in sports that that stands out to you the most? You got a favorite? Hmm. I mean, it's okay. You can say Nick um, holding up that Super Bowl trophy. You know, that, that's all. Yeah, I'm mean, an Eagle fan. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'm, you know, I think I think um I think the long long awaited champion story and, and not not just the Eagles but um the Capitals, um Simona Halep winning her first major, uh Caroline Wozniacki winning her face first major. There's something that is just very satisfying to see someone who's been long suffering for lack of a better term to finally get over the hump. Right, right. No, I understand that too. And I think this year full of that. But um, everybody out there, like I said, go to warroomsports.com and make sure you read Gus's article about Josh Norman and addiction in America. Again, it's a very good one. Gus, for the last time in 2018, thanks again for your time, and we will talk to you next week, next year. All right, Gus. And we'll make sure right, that you realize that it's not Josh, uh, that is not Josh Norman. That's snorting that white girl, yeah, but Josh Norman four times. Yeah. That's just a Freudian slip, though. That's not like on some Stephen A. Smith type stuff. I know exactly who we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week, man. All right. Happy New Year. All right. You too. Very right, happy. Gus Griffin, everybody. He had a 6-0 and week last week. He usually does heat up at the end of the season. So this is my, this, you know, this is the time you might want to take this, this betting advice and go out there and win you some money. Uh, especially if you're a you're a federal government employee and you're a victim of this shutdown, you might want to put whatever loose change you got, make you some more. But if you do that and you lose, I didn't tell you to do that. Um, <laughs> so, B, let's, let's get into some of the, the, the things that happened in 2018, man, some of the biggest stories of the year. And come on, man, as, as Philadelphia natives. Come on, um, you already know. Long-suffering football fans, and and the suffrage wasn't that you know we were the guys walking around with paper bags on our head because you know the, the teams, the other team, the fans of the teams in the division doesn't really want to. They don't really want to admit things like this, but kind of for the whole you know century thus far, the Eagles have been pretty much the dominant team in this division. The funny part about it is when we're winning and we're winning divisions, it doesn't mean anything to those guys because we don't have, 
you know, we don't have a Super Bowl ring. We don't have this. We don't have that. However, when they win the division with like a nine and seven record, which is happening like right now, it means everything in the world, even though they haven't won a Super Bowl in like 30 years. Like it means everything in the world when somebody else wins the division, but we're not allowed to celebrate division victories because we didn't have a Super Bowl ring. We're the defending Super Bowl champions right now because early in 2018, February 4th to be exact, the Philadelphia Eagles went into the Super Bowl against the favorite New England Patriots, led by a backup quarterback that B. Austin and myself have been touting for the past five or six years, but, you know, I don't want to toot our own horns. Um, And the Eagles pulled out the first ever Super Bowl win for the city of Philadelphia, man. We'd be remiss if we didn't start with this story, B. Like, go back. Take yourself back to that moment. Take yourself back to that, just that moment in time, the game, when the game ended, when it happened, the the, the weeks, um, you know, after. Like, how was that? How was that feeling as a Philadelphia long-suffering football fan? I really don't have to take myself back as I watch it just about once a week. Um, so I relive <laughs> that moment uh, repeatedly. And, you know, from from the Philly special to the Brandon Graham sack at the end of the game to Nick Foles' unlikely story, where um, NFL football had beaten him up to the point psychologically where he was ready to hang his cleats up and put his arm, his elbow, and his shoulder away and wow. just, you know, go be Napoleon Dynamite. Yo! So we have to put an asterisk uh, by Vince Young's career because it might not have... No, nah, yeah, it would have. Never mind. Um, yo, I, I just... I don't I don't even know such a euphoria that even this season I'm not really as angry as I usually would be at our mediocrity and our blowing chances and having um you know the green headed bull with the uh tail in the back of his head playing corner. Like I'm not even upset at that stuff. Like it doesn't it's like we are the world champion Philadelphia Eagles even if it only lasts through February 4th of next year, which it looks like it will only last through February 4th of next year, to have experienced that and seen that, oh, man, I, I just, whoo. Yeah, I mean, when it's something, yeah, that you think, something that you pretty much think that you'll never experience, you know, it, it's, yeah. a, it's a great feeling. And like I said, you know, if, if – if, if, if the these dudes celebrate Super Bowl 30 years later, why can't we for, you know, eight months, eight, nine months? Like, yeah. come on now. Yeah. yeah. Like the Cowboys don't have only – they've only been to the playoffs about four, three or four times since their Super Bowl win. Yeah. Same so. with the uh, Washington professional sports team, football team, rather. They've only been to the playoffs three or four times in 30 years. So. Right. Yeah, like the only people that can talk to us are Giants fans for real. Yeah. And even if, like, like I said, like if you just talk about that division, like the Eagles have easily been the best team in that division. The Giants just happened to, you know, break through on two different years and and get some Super Bowl wins. So you know, definitely kudos to them. Like you said, they're the only ones who have room to open their mouth right now as a fan base, but. You know, we know how that goes anyway. 
right. Um, well, before we move on, because we got you know a lot of other stuff from the year to um to to hit on. Um, and shout out to Nick Foles, man. I always you know that that just thinking back to that picture of him holding that trophy up and kind of like disbelief, man. That's one of the greatest images that that I've seen this year. But I think we got another Eagles fan on the phone. So we let him get on and, and celebrate one last time before before we move on. Um, because I don't know how it's going to end this year. Like they actually have a chance to back into the playoffs. And it all depends on whether or not the Chicago Bears are going to go out and do what they've been doing all year. Like when a team comes from kind of like nowhere, it's hard to have confidence in them in big moments. So I'm sitting here the whole yeah. time thinking, the Bears are going to lose this game, um, even even if the Eagles do their part and beat the Washington professional football team. I have a feeling the Bears are going to lose. The crazy part about it is every game that you need to watch is happening at the same time. The Eagles in Washington are playing at 4:25 on Sunday. Um, the Bears and the Vikings are playing at 4:25 on Sunday. Um, the Rams are playing at 4:25 on Sunday, which is a game that the bears need to be watching because the only reason that the bears would, would have to go all out and try to win the game is if the Rams lose because they own the tiebreaker with the, with the Rams. So if they move into a tie with them, they get a higher seed. So Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here thinking, hopefully, you know, all of these games could stay within reach because if the, if the Rams game stays within reach, and they're playing the 49ers, so it could be likely that it doesn't. But if the 49ers can keep it close, at least, it'll keep the Bears, whoever's watching the scores for the Bears, it'll keep them with their foot on the gas. You know what I'm saying? So, And then there's a, another scenario to this. The, the, the Bears are a higher favorite against us than they would be against the Vikings in the, in the playoffs. So do they want to step on the gas and try to beat them so they can get the weaker matchup with the Eagles? Or are they thinking, well, the Eagles are kind of peaking at the right time. I don't really want to see them. They are the defending champs. So it's a lot to go into this to see if there's even a possibility to get into the dance to see if Nick Foles could catch lightning in the bottle and do it again. Yo, I'm, I'm, yo, I'm, from, I'm, I'm from I got one in my lifetime. I'm cool, man. We're I'm not, not going to the play. I'm not greedy. Like I'm upset with fans who are running around mad at everything that happens this season. Like, really? <laughs> you the same dude who said you sold your soul for a Super Bowl, then you get one, and everybody get greedy. Well, let's go to the phone line real quick, man. We got the homie Rob. Rob, what's going on, good brother? Uh, I accept your apology. Yo. Nick, Foles. Nick Foles will accept your apology. <laughs> you know, can y'all hear me? Yeah, hey, we can hear you. Okay, yo, it's your boy Big Rod, aka the Bedroom Billy. Yo, it's your boy Big Rod, aka her fire lands are not my fire lands are eight. Her fire lands are not my game. Just rewind. Yo, it's your boy Big Rod, <laughs> aka yo, aka Warriors come out to play. The Lakers show is back, baby. Before I get started, man, yo, stay on that track, boy. Maybe uh, maybe get more crowd. I'll be forgetting the track, but I got right. You got to stop breathing so hard, man. What's going on? 
It doesn't really insult How about anybody. this? How about this? How about how? So, so we how, how, LeBron and we take a shot at somebody in our team, okay? That's what's up. Good yeah, job. yeah. He he talked about, like yeah, I would never like LeBron. I would never like LeBron has, listen, I will say this. I will say this. Thank God for Jeannie Buss. You know, uh, Beyonce said, uh, no homo, Beyonce said that's a wonder world girl. She came on as a lady in charge. She came on, took the team back for her brothers, put May- Magic Johnson to HNIC, and he brings life back in this period. Thank you, Jeannie Buss. LeBron was coming to LA Thank anyway. How are we giving Magic all the credit? Yeah, huh? Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Guys, because Matt, what's the Magic? Why not? Huh? Magic Borden, Magic Borden, uh, born ready. Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma. He brought Alonzo, who's a great, who's a, who's a great defender. Who? Wait, wait, wait. wait I, ask. I want to ask. I want to. You wait, I want to ask you this. Right now. He's not wait, even wait, wait, he wait, been want... in long enough to be a great defender. He's showing he's, promise. He's, he's developing. Yeah, say that then. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, I, I, I want to ask you, Dev. I want to ask you, Dev. Do you see um, so, uh, so, uh, um, comparisons between him and Jason Kidd? No, Jason Kidd was a way better athlete. They both light skinned though. I mean, I can, see, I can see the comparisons. I think Jason Kidd was just a much better floor general coming into the league, but I can see the comparisons. You know, they both play point guard. Um, he, like I said, he's developing on the defensive end. We know Jason Kidd was a great defender during his time. They both came into the league struggling with their jump shots. So, yeah, there's a lot to compare there, definitely. Doesn't mean that, that you know, his trajectory is going to stay Jason Kidd, you know, on the Jason Kidd path. But I, I, I can see the comparison. Lonzo is a bum. <laughs> He's developing. He's developing. <laughs> Give White Light Boys a chance, man. Give him a chance to He's grow. Developed. He's right, developing well, into a better father of his kid than Magic is of DJ. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what EJ got to do 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 with it. I don't know because of having kids out of wedlock is a good is a good is a good sign having kids out of wedlock. But hey, you know if you want to, you know. And, and wait, you married to a sister, right. man? Why you? Why, 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 why? Come on, man, really? But, Wait, I don't get that. You should anyway, be married to a sister. Or you shouldn't be able to talk about a sister in Egypt? Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> oh, I'm no. trying to understand. I, gotta that. I thought you were calling EJ a sister. I'm like, look who's talking. You calling him a sister? No, I ain't talking about him a sister. I, I say he's talk, he talking about... Uh, a better family, whatever, man. That's a, that's a whole, that's a whole not conversation. But you know, the Lakers are looking are looking good. I, I would rather really have a closer win versus the Warriors. They didn't. Draymond Green is a fraud. I never liked Draymond. I think he's overrated. I mean, I really don't. All right, man. I, I, I think. 
I mean, I mean, he's a biscuit. And, 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 and by the way, I, 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 I won't go back to football real quick. But, but by the way, I always want to say this: K, KG is a fraud too. He's a fake tough guy. How come he didn't do nothing against Anthony Peeler when he got elbow? He just stood there like a like like a like a punk. But anyway, um, there aren't a lot of tough guys in the in the NBA. They act tough. Like none of them want Herman Washington. They just act tough. They don't throw hands. They they do the hold me back move. They you know get all gully because they know somebody's right next to them to hold them back. And then after they get held back, they act like they wanted to rush them even on. You know how that goes, man. The NBA players. So, Todd, man, thank you for all that. Thank you for your support, man. In 2018 and beyond, because you're one of the originals, man. So, what you saying? Make one last point, man. We got to go. I I, I, I just want to say it doesn't matter what happens this on Sunday, you know, the um as a sports fan, seeing the Eagles win the Super Bowl was a, uh, in my sports life was a highlight moment. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter how bad the season is. The the Eagle fans who are who are taken who are taking this season being mad all the time are either immature people with no lives or they're fake fans because. Well, which is worse, which I would you be a fake fan and then have no life. But yeah, like you know, people got relaxed, enjoy the fact yeah. that you beat Tom. What, what teams can say they a beat Tom fan, Brady like in his prime? A fake fan like your man out there who makes money when the team loses because he can get on YouTube, talk crazy and curse and his, and his numbers. He, he's an image. He wants world star hits. Now I can't stand. He's from Baker's boring. Excuse boring Bakersfield. Was he really happy last season when they won the Super Bowl? That's bad for his business. For him to do Hey, for Rob, we can't talk. We gotta go, man. We can't talk about that too. We'll rap about it next week, man. Allah, thanks for your support, man. Always easy. Peace, peace, man. Peace. All right. All right. So. Peace. What else happened in 2018 year in review? Of course, um, man, we we still in Philly. Villanova uh, takes down Michigan for their second national title in three years, third overall. Um, that was a you know another big moment for for Philly sports. Um, I mean, it feels good. Like we're always like Philly teams are always competitive, no matter what it is. You know, college. Basketball. Uh, you always have Go to the coach. Yeah, I mean, but you always every every few seasons somebody breaks through and they give you a good almost. Um, the Phillies got it done in in, in two thousand eight, but they probably they had a good enough team to maybe get two or three in that time period. So you know, but the way things go in that city, you got to be you, you just got to be grateful for the one that you did get. Um, so for some teams to bust through and actually do it, I mean, the Flyers have been a Stanley Cup runner-up within the last decade. Um, the the Sixers have been an NBA runner-up within the last two decades. Um, the Eagles were a runner-up in the Super Bowl in 2005, you know, before this happened. So it's like, what, what's that saying? Always a, a bridesmaid, <laughs> never a bride. 
So, yeah, it, it definitely feels good for a few teams to bust through and for Villanova to do it two times in, in three years. Um, I really I really don't hear enough uh, – I don't hear enough chatter about Villanova for them to have had the run of success that they've had. You know, I don't – It's a crazy run, especially in a one-and-done era because those aren't the type of players that they get. You know what I'm saying? They were good because, you know, they had – older players for the for the first win and then the young players on that team grew up for the second win. Like this this isn't a one and done type program. Like even now, like they don't look that good because they can't just go reload like a Kentucky or a Duke or, or somebody like that. So it's very impressive to get two and three years, you know, with that kind of recruiting history and recruiting success. All right, B, where yep, you at? Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was agreeing. I was agreeing. Sorry, I was. I was. Yeah, I, I definitely. I definitely feel that, and and hopefully they can figure out a way to blend a better level of recruiting based on the success with um, you know uh, um, maturing talent. I don't know whether that can even be done in this environment. I mean, they certainly. But you could bring them in, B, and both two trophies you know, in the last few years, but point blank period, like when you bring them in, you're not showing them Duke facilities, Kentucky facilities. You're not promising them lottery pick status. You know, they've had a couple, but you're not promising them that kind of stuff like these other programs can. So it's still hard to compete, even though you had that kind of success. But, um, right. Right. The Golden State Warriors win their second straight NBA title, three in the last four years, uh, when they swept the Cavaliers in June. Um, I don't think, you know, there was no surprises here. I don't think anybody gave Cleveland much of a shot outside of true LeBron stands. And I don't even know if they believe the stuff that they say and think half the time. You just have to say it. Uh, We know people who's been picking LeBron-led teams to win the championship for the past 15 years straight. Real talk, for the past 15 years straight. At some point, you have to be right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you, you got a few out of it, but, you know, if, when you bet like you look, three for 15, it's not really impressive. If, but they, but it shows that people are big fans or something, they don't think with their heads. Well, yeah, they, they, they basically think with their hearts and their in their in their private parts, because some of them get a little yeah, too that, suspect. That could be called a head. But um, when you really look at at LeBron and and kudos for him on the successes he's had when he was able to bring in other Hall of Famers and other superior talent to kind of run with to get him those chips. But could we consider LeBron the greatest, the growth, the greatest runner up of all time, or would that have to go to Jerry West? I think it's still Jerry West's title. Um, It has to be. Jerry was always right there. He was definitely the biggest bridesmaid. He was the maid of honor (laughs) during his time in the league. So it's between the two. But, you know, LeBron, no matter what he did to get it, he pulled out three. So he has has, um, one up on on Jerry West. Um, What, he'd have to three more? Which he's fully capable of. Yeah, uh, you know the Warriors, but this is this is 
we can't really judge about judge from what's going on right now because I think the Warriors have come to the point where they understand the marathon of the regular season and it's no longer about winning every night and setting records and stuff like that. You see little games like the game, you know, on Christmas between the Lakers and the Warriors. It gives people hope that the giant can be slayed. But I think if they're going to the playoffs healthy, I think the Warriors have at least one more in them um, because there's a possibility that KD is going to leave. There's the possi- There's the likelihood that Boogie, once he does step on the court, you know, after this season, he's going to end up leaving. So it's not going to be as easy for the Warriors um, after this season. So this could pretty much be their last hurrah as champions. But it's funny how every little loss in the in the regular season, people are looking way too much into it. Um, thinking it in these an eighty-two season, <laughs> in right. eighty-two season, the Warriors on the brink. Oh my God, right. they've lost one. Because look what happened when they went for it. They went for the record, got it, and then didn't finish the deal. So they're like, it, it's not important. That's not important to us, you know. That's why you know staying rested up and all that stuff they do in New Earth basketball. That's what they want to do so they can go out and win titles because that's, you know, Yo. these days it seems like that's all it's about. <laughs> Listen, I've seen I've seen Michael Jeffrey play. I've seen Kobe Bean. I've seen AI, Hakeem. I've seen a lot of players. I've never seen someone score 50 as easily as Wardell. Yo, Wardell can get 50. He can get hot. And 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 it's like he's shooting in the gym by himself. That's not fair, man. That's not fair. You wasn't with me shooting in the gym. All right. Um, other big news, and you know, this is another story along those lines of a team finally breaking through, and that is the uh, Washington Capitals, who won their first Stanley Cup in their 43-year history. Um, yeah, they, they're a team that's always going into the playoffs with high hopes and they've kind of developed a, a kind of a reputation for being a choker, you know, a choking franchise. They finally, in a year where I don't think the hopes were as high, they finally broke through. The, the craziest part about it is in the Stanley cup finals, they were playing the Las Vegas golden Knights who we're, we're an expansion team. So in the first year of expansion, you know, they make it to the Stanley Cup finals. They lose in five. And that's the thing, like living in the Washington, D.C. area, I really don't ever want to see. Like it's hard to see any of their teams win. And it has nothing to do with the teams. It has everything to do with the fans because, you know, all of a sudden every black person in D.C. was a hockey fan, like FOH. You don't even know the rules of hockey. But everybody was a hockey fan all of a sudden. Um, but when they drew that matchup in the Stanley Cup Finals, I kind of knew. I'm like, because you're thinking about it, like, this, this is a, an expansion team. So not from any shade thrown towards Washington. I was rooting for Vegas anyway just for that story. But you kind of know at some point this is going to, you know, you know, Cinderella's going to lose her slipper. At some point it's just, it's just not going to happen. Like, this expansion team is not going to take it all the way to the Stanley Cup title so I kind of knew that it was a done deal once they drew that matchup and ended up you know breaking through for the first time in their 43 
year history. I think they can shed the choker label now. Alex Ovechkin can shed the choker label now. Um, so shout out to the Capitals for their first win ever. Uh, what else? How weak, how weak is the league if an expansion team makes it to the finals? Like, I mean, we got to talk about that. And I, I bring that up in terms of MLS soccer as well because they had an expansion team win the chip. The Atlanta United won the chip this year, second year in existence. And I'm like, eh, bully for them, great. But is the league you're playing in kind of weak or water right, you know, like, is it that easy now for expansion teams? We coming in, we going to the chip. Like, y'all done gave us a bunch of players. <laughs> that we probably wouldn't have picked on our own, and we still going to the chip. Oh, shout out to Skyview in the um, chat room. He said something about them. He said Vegas Golden Knights going for the Stanley Cup in their inaugural season, even if you're not a hockey buff. Respect. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> and then he, he and Neil and the joint talking about bird bots. If you've been on social media for the last two days, all you've heard about was bird box on Netflix, Bird Box this, Bird Box that. I've seen so many people feel forced to watch it because there's so much word of mouth going on, and then those people come back and say, yo, I shouldn't have listened to y'all because Bird Box was trash. Bird, <laughs> so I don't bird, know what Bird was. Yeah, I'm here like, oh, I'm going to watch Bird Box. I don't, I don't really care about birds in the box um, <laughs> or, or, or whatever that is, but yeah, you you've heard about that countless amount of times in the last few days. Um, MLB. Let's talk a little MLB, man. Title Town strikes again. The Red Sox wins its fourth title since 2004, their ninth all-time. Um, they beat the Dodgers in five games. Uh, Dodgers is one of those teams they can't seem to break through and and get that coveted win. Like The Dodgers have been in and out of the mix for for a while now. I mean when the Phillies were when the Phillies were winning the World Series, you know, they played the Dodgers in the playoffs like every single season. So yeah, the Dodgers can't seem to get over that hump right now. But another Boston team, you know, like we said, if if you're like a sixteen year old growing up in Boston, you've seen like eleven championships in your life from the four major sports in America. And, and, Yo, if you growing up in New England, if you growing up in New England, you don't even know that your sports history ain't ish. Like you don't even know that that Irving Fryer played for y'all. Right. And he was the only player. Before '04, your whole see, your whole region was trash. But now, like Everything. nothing you can say, man. They they've won in all four major sports since the turn of the century. Multiple times, <laughs> like it's crazy, man. It's one of those things. Like if you can't admit to yourself that Boston, or at least that region, because New England Patriots don't just rep Boston. Do you remember, um, remember getting Fleer, uh, Fleer, and Top Hat football cards? And when yeah. you would get a play, a Patriots player, you would just throw them out. Like, <laughs> it was like totally. The only Patriots player I wanted, I, I wanted was Irvin Fryer, and I was like, I used to feel so sorry for and sad that Irvin Fryer was on their team. I was like, yo, this brother's too good to be up there. 
Now, the crazy part was time. back then, when they finally did break through in 85, they had to go against the 85 Bears. That was no days. Got destroyed then. That's the only thing. Yeah, though. You look at every decade since the 80s, though. The Patriots at least once have broken through and made it to a Super Bowl game. Just couldn't seal the deal until, you know, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady were on the scene. So yeah, it's it's. So they made that. So they made that. Robert Kraft made that deal with the skull and bones. Worked it out with the devil. He sure did. All right, so um, LeBron, after his latest finals loss, because, you know, we celebrate that LeBron made the finals eight straight times, but after his latest finals loss uh, sweep at the hands of Golden State Warriors that we talked about a few minutes ago, he was a free agent again on that market, and this time he ended up leaving Cleveland again. I guess Cleveland fans don't feel the same as they did last time. Um, He did help bring them – uh, a championship, and in Cleveland, that's probably worth like you know three or four championships. So he didn't get the same victory all this time. But what were your thoughts about LeBron leaving Cleveland again? Like when he went back, like I didn't think he would go back. So the relationship he had going out of the door with the owner, I never thought he would go back or should go back. Then he goes back. And people were like, man, in a few years, LeBron will probably leave again. And I'm like, there's no way that LeBron is going to leave again. By the time his time was New running to a close, I knew that there was no way that he was going to stay. But when he went back, I'm like, yo, there's no way he's not going to retire as a cat. Yo, LeBron mm-hmm. just runs to the next situation every time, man. Were you surprised that he left? Ex-girl to the next girl. Um... No, because at that point I knew what type of injury he was. I was more shocked and surprised that he returned, understanding what Dan Gilbert really thought of him and how white supremacy had reared its ugly head in that letter in tirade that uh, I thought that he is a self-respecting man, wouldn't go work for another man that felt that way about him. But I guess the bread, the bread was too long. And he was an independent contractor, so he could justify it. He went and brought uh, an undeserving city a ring. God bless. And uh, so when he left, no, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised that he left. I was like you. I was. I was totally in shock that he went back. That was what got me. Like, yo, why would you? How could you? What would you do that for? Like, I, I had no idea that he would do that. Yeah. Well, undeserving is a strong word. Maybe maybe in basketball terms. I, I think actually in football, Cleveland might be the most deserving. City oh, yeah, no, it's yeah, of this football. World. Yeah. Ernest Bryant Apple deserves the win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like those people show up and show out knowing that they have nothing to look forward to year in and year out. So. Cleveland Browns have the most loyal fan base that I've ever seen in my entire life. In my entire life, but it's, it's loyalty without delusion, though. See, that's the difference. Like in the yeah, place that yeah. I live, like I've seen for the last twenty years that it's been delusional. Like 
it's not just that, oh, I'm a big fan, I'm a diehard, and I'm not ever ever going anywhere. Yeah. It we're gonna win the Super Bowl this year when you went like yeah. three and thirteen, you know, three and thirteen the year before. Yeah. I would tell you yeah. win the Super Bowl. When they drafted Every Jason day. Campbell, they was like, Yo, we going to the bowl, Mo. <laughs> huh? Jason Campbell the next Doug Williams, yo. All right. Campbell yeah. couldn't close his mouth. How you gonna win a Super Bowl? To the phone line here. We got um Tobias in the building. Tobias calling from Arizona. What's going on, Tobias? Hey, first thing first, I lost my cell phone, so I had to get another one. So I got a burner phone like KD right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to do this real quick, guys. I gotta let y'all know. Save the date, gentlemen. Uh December 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You guys are cordially invited to the fifth annual Roll Tide Invitational. Tobias can be salty as hell, they lose. Yo. He'd be talking to the person all the turn, man. If we lose, I'm blocking Jimmy for the record. I'm blocking all y'all, by the way. <laughs> yeah, for, the record, but, for the record, you can definitely tell that you're on a burner phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you going hey. in and out. Yeah. Oh, oh that's hilarious. I'm trying to explain to my old lady why, my phone, why I didn't have a phone yesterday. But, uh, but you know, I listen to this stuff, right? And, like, I saw LeBron's interview. They're talking about Anthony Day, like, you know, his that Rachel Nichols interview. Even if they gotten Paul George, he was bouncing anyway. And that's just right. And just be honest and say, Hey, I did my time. Nothing they could have done. And if you can understand Paul George saying, Hey, I can't commit if LeBron won't commit another year. So it do what's best for you, man. No, yeah. that, that's that's the point, man. Like that's what people don't understand. Everybody keep talking about, you know, why wouldn't you want to play with LeBron? But LeBron is holding your career hostage. Like, I mean, he did that to Kevin Love, man. Kevin Love, you you made them trade away the young pick that you have. Um, Kevin Love comes over there reluctantly. And then, you know, after they get it done, Kevin Love is like, okay, I'm, I can go sign elsewhere now. LeBron gets LeBron. him. He signed a long term. Leave him there with nobody. LeBron, LeBron was like, "I'm out. I am not going to get stuck here. This dude's not coming back." like I was watching that game the other night, and uh, what kills me is like where everybody talking about, "Oh, big men are dead." You got to start his jacket threes all the time. But that's how the secret to that game last night with the Golden State and Lakers, uh, that Golden State needs Boogie Cousins bad. Because the only big man you got are Kevon Looney, oh, boy, and Draymond, who's like 6'6". Six, six. And that Zubox guy was killing them down low because it wasn't just a score. Yo. It's the rebound. Yo, Tobias, who is he? Because he was they had good. I don't even think he know who yeah. he is. He's yeah. good. And then Lonzo Ball, for example, he's that type of guy I've been saying forever that's a guard stuff. A long guy who's a pest, who doesn't even care about scoring, who just follows stuff and make it work for him. Not saying that he can shut him down 
Kyrie, you know he'll get his, but you got to make her work hard for it. And, uh, but I still think this team needs Boogie Cousins badly, and their bench is not as good as it once was. Igloo Dollar and Livingston are close to be on NBA TV. Yeah, it's nowhere near as good. Like they have no depth whatsoever. That was that was a thing they could once boast. Like, man, we got these dudes in the starting lineup, but even when they sit down, you know, you you had waves of people coming off the bench. Now, like you said, you got an old Igloo Dollar and an old Sean Livingston. It's just not working. It's just not working. And, the and, and, and Clay hasn't had a good season this year. Clay hasn't been good. Nobody yeah. wants to talk about that. And Draymond, yeah, they not yeah. even guarding Draymond. <laughs> Draymond, Draymond get Big Welvin gets treated like uh, Rondo, like Kobe treated Rondo. He would just tag. <laughs> Tobias, what 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 was your favorite moment, sports moment of 2018? Well, that's pretty Roll obvious. Tie. Well, well, I got two of them. First, it was Tua hitting that pass to beat Georgia. But also seeing Derrick Rose get that 50-point game, man. You know I'm a Bulls fan. Loved it. And, loved it. And, uh, I loved it because all the, it, it's crazy how these Bulls fans are cheering Derrick Rose like they chanting MVP. But these were the MVP. same fans that was crapping on him because he didn't come back fast enough or he kept getting hurt mm-hmm. like he planned on getting hurt on purpose. Now they want to cheer him now. Uh but that was my favorite, one of my favorite moments besides the Alabama stuff because Derrick Rose, he just worked hard for it. And, uh, and he was going to be that guy, one of those top ten players. And those Bulls teams, if he didn't get hurt, were the ones that were supposed to challenge the LeBron team because that was the one team in the East that didn't kiss his ring like Paul George Pacers or DeMar DeRozan's uh, Raptors where Kyle Lowry had to take a bathroom break in the middle of a playoff game. Uh <laughs> You know, but, uh, and, and, and that just shows that in sports, you have to go for it and capitalize on your window because you never know what could happen. And imagine how life the NBA would have been different if he didn't get hurt because that team was the one team that didn't bow down to him. No doubt, no doubt. So um, what's, your, what's your prediction for the Roll Tide Invitational this weekend? What's your All right, score I prediction? think Nick Saban – I think Nick Saban's going to run the ball more. And uh, and they got a stable of four running backs, three really playing the fourth one just as good as any other Brian Robinson, keep his name on him in a year. But Oklahoma has a, one of the best offensive lines in football, in college football. I think Alabama probably wins 50-24. And I think this is going to be a big test of Kyler Murray's stock because if he could do light up this defense, he's going to score. He's going to get his because of the way the rules are, and he's a good player. But I think they, they won't be able to stop Alabama. Their defense is god-awful. I'm talking about in the hundreds. And Alabama has talent on all positions on offense. And the thing that people got to remember, that Georgia game, Nick Needle and them not no one saying the greatest team ever. They had a bad game already where they were dropping balls, not making their reads. And also, two are not winning that Heisman, and Kyler Murray winning that Heisman. Just keep your eyes on that. Roll Tide. All I got to say is roll Tide. I will be um, I will be drunk by 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. And before we get you out of here, Sky View in the chat room when you first came on, he said, I thought Tobias was about to announce a wedding or something. He said, this ninja talking about roll Tide. <laughs> Hey, there ain't going to be no wedding for me. 
Hey, I ain't getting married to my old lady and start squawking. Uh, you know how that is. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm surprised Joel Santana got married before me. But uh, <laughs> but, but I got to say this real quick before I, I got to run. If Baker Mayfield was black, no one would be giving him all these props right now talking about being fiery. Amen. Talking about being a to who he is. Uh, Amen. Because uh, Hugh Jackson's gone. He got fired. He's gone. You may have been mad at the media tour, but Hugh Jackson got to do anything to re- rehabilitate three and 34 records. He got to do anything. And he was right. It wasn't a shot against Baker. He wanted Carson Wentz that year. He didn't say anything bad about Baker, but I want man, Baker Mayfield to know this. He didn't even come out the same year, man. Baker Mayfield is acting now, like a punk. And this is my problem. Baker, they got a year of tape on you. Here is the year when you post because they got a year of tape. Let's see what happens next year. They got a year defending you now. So if if you're talking when everything is good, when there's no expectations, now there's going to be playoff expectations on this team next year. Now if you fall short of expectations, I want to see you feel dangerously then. And that, and that's just the thing about this league. All right, man. Roll damn tie. We'll talk to you next week. Hey. Roll time, fellas, and I'm going to tell the media this. Nick Foles is not the answer. Don't don't fall into the trap, everybody out there. You guys have a great day. Don't treat him like Fitzmagic. He ain't Fitzmagic. Nick Foles got us a ring. I ain't trying to hear no Nick Foles slander. He was the answer last year. (laughs) All right, so um, in Skyview in the uh, chat room, he was talking about – when you were talking about the Patriots and the football cards, he said, man, Steve Grogan was the truth. You young cats just don't know. You know Steve Grogan was nobody's truth. <laughs> At all. In fact, he was a little white lie. <laughs> Steve Grogan was nobody's truth, man. <laughs> Steve Grogan is a... As a matter of fact, let me, let me, let me, let me get my statistical... Information to back up the fact that Steve Grogan was not the truth. Steve Grogan, <laughs> he's a career 52% completion guy. Uh, his his QB record was 75 and 60. He had 182 touchdowns to go against 208 interceptions. Steve Grogan ain't nobody. <laughs> like he had he had one year like his high. He had 18 touchdowns twice. He had 28 touchdowns in 1979, but he had 20 interceptions that same year. 1979 was his best year ever. Yo, yo. You know why? You know why? You know why he called him the truth? Why? Go ahead. I was going to read off his yardage every year in the league. Yo. (laughs) 1975, he had 1976 yards, 1976 yards. 76, he had 1,903 yards. 77, he had 2,100, uh, 2,162. Um, 78, he had 2,824. And 79, when he threw 28 touchdown passes and led his team to a nice 9-7 record, he had 32-86. Then it goes downhill from there. 2475, 1859, 930. <laughs> 2411. I was going to say the reason, the reason that someone likes 
even ink have an inkling to say that was because he was quasi mobile. Like he could run a little bit, but he was a failure as a passer, man. Don't get it twisted. They were a failure as a crazy. He's no Tony Eason. He's no Tony Eason. And Tony Eason wasn't good. <laughs> All right. Let me, let me stop messing with Steve Grover. Um, What else happened? He was better than the Peter, man. Definitely shout out to Kyler Murray, uh, who won the Heisman Trophy over the likes of Tua. Um, they're going to get it on this weekend. I wonder if it's going to come down to a situation where Tua is doing too much because he's trying to show people that he should have won the Heisman instead of Kyler Murray. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that. Um, in horse racing news, Justify wins the Triple Crown. Um, I think the people of this generation are, are a little bit spoiled, B, because we have the Triple Crown watch every year. Justify wins it, what, three years after American Pharaoh wins it? So people have seen two Triple Crown winners within the last four years. Before American Pharaoh won it, the last time it was done was affirmed, and that was 37 years ago. So people have been waiting that long for a Triple Crown winner, and then, you know, you get one, and then three years later, you get another one. So people of this generation... Testing horse. They had the cream, <laughs> the cream and the clizzy. Um, probably the biggest news in sports in 2018 is that the U.S. Supreme Court legalizes sports gambling. <laughs> we capitalized right away and got us a gambling sponsor when this was done. <laughs> and me. We capitalized right away. Um, but that's big, man, because sports gambling is such a huge industry. Um, you know, you can do what the hell you want in Vegas, but now you can do this anywhere and it's legal. That's that's big. That's just big. I'm pretty sure sports gambling is probably like another career for a lot of people out there. And now they can do it and everything could be legit. Everything could be on the up and up. Um, but y'all better uh, <laughs> y'all report your winnings because Uncle Sam will do the thing to you. <laughs> we know how that works. In Crete news, Larry Nasser uh, was sentenced to 40 to 125 years in prison for sexually assaulting generations of gymnasts. Um, you know, being a doctor with the, the the U.S. gymnastics team, man, the the details that came out about this case, man, it was it was crazy, and just the number of people, um, especially young girls, that he he sexually abused. It's it's I'm I'm really thinking that it's crazy that we haven't heard by now that this dude was killed in prison, like because those are, are the type of crimes that people don't take too kindly to when you're in there, especially when you look like dude, like you look like you can't defend yourself. You're just a little scrawny white dude. And you are out here taking advantage of the kids. You just think he wouldn't last too long. To, uh, to translate that to some of our more hardened listeners, my man, Deb is saying that Larry Nassar is going to get his cheeks bust up in the clink. (laughs) And we are definitely, Full-on endorsers 
of him being in the same Bible study group as Fleece Johnson, the warrior. That's all I got to say. Crazy part, like a total of 141 of his victims. That's the thing, like 141 of them. It was more than 141, but 141 of his victims, including uh, several yeah. members of the U.S. Women's Olympics team were honored oh. with the Arthur Ashe Courage Award at the 2018 ESPYs okay. because of this waste. Hey, uh, yo, he touched more than 141 gymnasts, and somebody dude, that is too cowardly to handle that. That's what I'm saying. Like, and he's still alive. Like, come on, man. yo. At some point, at some point, one of these little girls had to go tell their dad. Like it's one of those situations though where somebody takes advantage of your dream, you know, just like the whole Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein situation, where you wonder why, in some cases, you know, some some instances women went along with stuff, in some instances they just didn't say anything. It's because people are afraid that this person has power over their dreams, so that's how we get down that's this type of path. That's, that that's, that's, that's one million percent real. And the boy Harvey Weinstein was such a creep that he would just come in, you'd be sitting down, he'd unzip and lay it on your shoulder and tell you to kiss the head. Like right. he was out of, completely out of control. Yeah, yeah. His, his day in court is coming though. It's coming. We'll see. All right. So uh, real quick, you guys, you know the drill. You can check out our website at worldroomsports.com. If you want to call in and tell us about any of your favorite moments, sports moments of 2018, dial the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline. That number is 323-410-0012. Press 1 when prompted. If you're already listening from your phone, just press 1 if you want to talk. So uh, real quick, we're going to take a timeout on our year in review just to give some birthday shout-outs. Can't forget to do that. And birthdays this week are actually brought to you by Sports the Book. You guys tired of reading the same old sports book, the same old lists, rankings, imaginary starting lineups, and all sorts of subjective information being passed along as facts. We'll be sure to pick up your copy of Sports. Smart people only read the sports. It's a mixture of sports and hip-hop culture will keep you on the edge of your seat and laughing like you're watching a comedy special. Just go to sportsthebook.com or get your copy from our website at womensports.com. Whatever you do, just make sure you don't miss the My movement. birthday, yay! All right, birthday shout-outs. Uh, Cole Hamels, uh, 2008 uh, World Series MVP for the Philadelphia Phillies. He turns 35 today. Shout-out to Cole Hamels, Philly legend. Uh, Carson Palmer turns 39 today. My Carson birthday, Palmer, yay! Yeah, he had so much promise, and it kind of seemed to go all downhill when he got that knee injury, when the Bengals looked like they were about to do the thing to the Steelers. Um, he got that knee injury, and he was never the same. He always, like, even coming back, like, he was always a solid veteran quarterback was, that you trust. He was, he, but he was on his way to point, me. Carson Palmer was that dude for a minute. It's, even after the injury, at certain points in time, Carson would creep into the top ten in in the NFL, just strictly off no. of arm talent, right? Um, 
and savvy. No, but what he would have what he would have been had that injury not happened. Listen, man, he might have been sitting at, at, in 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 heaven with the pearly gates around and the white robes next to Dan Marino. Like he was, he had that type of ability with the ball. Like he could throw the ball on a line forty yards in between three people. Yeah, he's yeah, a he talented cat. Talented cat. Um, shout out to uh, Coach Bill Self, who turns fifty six. Uh, today, um, ironically, <laughs> another college fo- a college basketball coach, Mark Few, his birthday is on the exact same day. Not just his birthday, but his birth date. They both turned 56 years old. And another uh, shout out to Andre Tippett, former Buffalo Bills linebacker. He turns 59 today. So we'd like to give a, a nice big war room salute to all of these folks on their birthdays. Shout out, happy birthday, and we wish you many, many more. Um, One more time before we get to our final stretch of 2018, um, you guys can check out the website, worldroomsports.com, if you want to call in right now and speak about any of your favorite topics, moments, stories from sports year 2018, dial the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline 323-410-0012. Press 1 when prompted. If you're already listening from your phone, you know what to do by now. Press one if you want to holler at your fellas. All right, so we're going to get back into uh, uh, to the year in review. And Skyview said, when Carson Palmer joined the Raiders, I was pumped. Like, yeah, like, he, he was the type of quarterback that could make you feel that way, but you just never knew what you were going to get, you know, post-injury. Now we're living in times he might have just been on that cusp of, you know, a torn ACL being almost a career death sentence. So now you you can come back better. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like even even Carson Wentz and all the, the flack that he's taken this year, statistically, he's a better quarterback this year. No, but listen, Carson Wentz. Carson leading the Eagles to the type of wins and the type of season they were having last year. So nobody notices that. Carson Wentz's slide in play from the eye test is 107% mental. His physical is, is all there. Like he's not physically hampered and he's only going to get better. So the question is mentally, can he get over that hurdle? Because physically ACL just doesn't mean what it meant, um, you know, 20 years ago, or even 10 years ago for that matter. Yeah, and shout out to his his safety, his security blanket, his binky, Zach Ertz, for breaking the uh, all-time single-season tight end receptions record. Uh, once held by his idol, Jason Witten, who had it at 110, um, shoot, with 10 more catches from last week, I, I'm not – Exactly sure because I don't have it up in front of me, but I think uh, Ertz is somewhere around like 116 or something crazy like that right now. So with another big game in the final game of the season, he could, man, he could smash that record, put that record out of reach for a long while. Um, All right, so more year review topics brought to you by Digital Extreme Technologies. Do you or your business need a custom website? Well, for dynamic, professional, and most of all, affordable custom websites, you need Digital Extreme Technologies. 
No need to break the bank for an effective online presence. Top quality, results-driven website at incredibly affordable prices. And yes, financing options are available. So visit digitalextremetech.com or call 267-205-4203. And for discounted rates, be sure to tell them that War Room Sports sent you. More year in review. Your man, James Harden, the beard. He he finally got his MVP. He's been a candidate probably for the past three seasons or so. Finally got his MVP award. Uh, did you think that, you know, him winning the 2017-2018 MVP was well-deserved? Yeah. Um, I thought he, he could have won it the year before. Um, here's the thing, and I know we don't want to go too deep on a tangent. Like, I, I really think that James Harden's game is amazing. Um, he's, you know, his, his particularly his offense. I mean, listen, he, his game from a skill standpoint, purely skill, and and he's, you know, he's I think more athletic than people give him credit for. Translates across eras, I believe. I mean, he could have played in a lot of different eras because he's not bound strictly by athleticism. But he's also an asshole, and I'm going to tell you exactly how and why. James Harden is well aware of the fact that he travels at least twice in every game. And flops. And he worked diligently. He worked diligently to see what he can get away with, almost to the point where he's on the sideline talking to a fan and someone else travels and gets away with it. And, like, look, he got away with it. And Harden is like, huh, watch this, hold my beer. <laughs> and yo. I 100% I do not say this jokingly I think James Harden spends time In the film room Watching tendencies Of referees To see what he can get away with And what he can't get away with Most I'm of his moves, You have to give him pro- like it's, it's a part of the softening of the game But you have to give props to somebody Who puts this kind of time into their craft that you know exactly what you have to do to get the ticky tackiest bull crappiness offensive fouls. I'm sorry, uh, defensive fouls called on every offensive possession. This dude goes to the line. It's like freaking. It's like the Saints marching in. Um, he has the most made free throws in the league so far this year, and it's no surprise. Like. When, when he has games and he goes to the line 15 to 20 times, like, you're not surprised because every little nuance in his offensive game is made so that he could possibly force you to give the smallest of touches or Yo. the illusion Yo. that you touched him while Yo. still being able to shoot his shot in a solid manner, you know, and, and, and able to be able to get it up and possibly get and ones out of it. Like he has Yo. to study these, man. You got to give him props for that. But he's studying, he's studying, he's studying officials, and he has taken. I'll bring a name from our from our childhood because we we know John Stockton was similar, but James Harden has taken it to two levels above that. Where he, I've seen him foul other people on offense. Like, dude, I've seen, you know, I've seen there was a play where Michael Carter Williams was trying to like box him out, 
James Harden literally just purposely goes off his feet, lays on this dude's back. They collapse to the floor, and they call a foul on Michael Carter-Williams. <laughs> he got up living. He was living. But this is the type of stuff, like, the way he reacts makes the ref think that everything is happening to him, and, and none of it is his fault. And have you ever seen his facial expressions? He has that dumb, that look on his face like, who, me? Huh? Well, what do I do? The refs are so, especially in this, and, and, I, and you know, I, I say that, but I also say that I have to respect what they do because if anybody, if, you, if you've ever tried to referee a game in any sport, especially basketball, it's hard, Paul. on any level, it's very difficult to do. So at the same time, I'm trashing them. I got to give them a little bit of respect, but they're so stupid in a day and age where they're, the league is trying to force all of this transparency from the refs. So it's like every other game in NFL or NBA, like a ref, they, the, the league has to come out and apologize for a ref getting something wrong. Like these apologies don't mean anything. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not going to get that, that win back and, and the win column that the, the the egregious plays probably took from a team, and and to top that off, it's like I don't know, man. It's it's, <laughs> it's just weird to watch. Like every every game where these dudes are making these big mistakes, and then they gotta come back and apologize to you. Like not that it's any not that it's any consolation, but I will say at least this: when playoff time comes around, and James Harden is dependent upon those aspects of his game. To, to get an edge, it usually doesn't work because the ref, the officiating does change. It, some people would argue it shouldn't. It should be consistent ab- across the board. But we know there are certain conditions where officiating changes. Last two minutes of a game and the entirety of a playoff contest, they're not calling a lot of that tick-tack stuff, so he has to work a little bit harder. But during the regular season, in a Dan Tony, Tony offense, oh, my God. Yeah, and and another thing is like they apologize for certain things, especially like when they get caught when somebody's flopping, but they don't do anything about it. Like what happened? All of these hard rules they were supposed to come down on flopping and all that kind of stuff. Nothing. Nobody's being deterred because the refs keep falling for it. It's not like all right, the ref falls for it, and then you watch afterwards, and then you're going to find somebody $5,000. Like, no, do something about it during the game. Like, that's not going to help anything. And and they're falling for it worse than ever these days. All right, but shout out to James Harden anyway, because he definitely deserved his MVP. Um, and like we spoke about with uh, Tobias a few minutes ago, uh, earlier this year, Alabama won its 17th national title, title and and that title game is when Tua exploded onto the scene, coming in for Jalen Hurts, uh, throwing some some crazy passes. He was on fire uh, that night uh, through that long touchdown pass to beat Georgia in the national championship because Georgia was not laying down easily. Um, and it's kind of been short-term history ever since. Like, we thought Tua was well on his way to winning the Heisman, but I kind of think – the success of Alabama played against him in that, seeing as though he didn't play in a lot of fourth quarters, some second halves of the season, because they were him in the third quarter. So he didn't get to get those stats up like like Kyler Murray. What did you say, B? 
I said they were sitting him halfway through the third quarter in a lot of those games. Meanwhile, Kyler Murray had to play into overtime and use every bit of his Kobe 81 to get victories. No doubt, no doubt. Um, Baker Mayfield goes number one in the NFL draft, which was a surprise to a lot of people. But then, you you know, once you sit back and think about it, you're like, it's just Cleveland being Cleveland. So far, it seems like that it's it's pretty much paid off so far. Um, but like somebody said earlier, you know, that second season is when you're going to really get a chance to show and prove because the, the, the film's going to be out. Um, and we're going to see what you're really about when teams are a little bit more comfortable facing you. Um, Baker Mayfield has really been sticking it to Hugh Jackson. Um, they've beaten the Bengals twice <laughs> since Hugh Jackson Jackson was fired. Um, I really don't know why this dude is so mad at the coach, but uh, he gave him a, a stare down after throwing a touchdown this week, ran past him, stared at him. As he went past him, he turned his body to face him all the way until his run became a backpedal because he didn't want to take his eyes off of Hugh Jackson. At some point, Hugh Jackson is just going to say, F it, and just punch this boy in his mouth. But um, it's interesting. Similar similar perspective, but I actually think it's going to go worse. Like, I I like Baker Mayfield's talent, um, and I actually believe that Cleveland may have one. Like, they may have one in Baker – um, because he's, he's one of these dudes. Gamer. He's not going to quit on you. He's you know. a gamer. He's got a little bit of that Larry Bird. I, I hate to say Michael. He, he's got that. He's he's heady. He's a heady player. He's got all of that. But in the NFL, there are men similar to his head coach, current excuse me, current head coach, as in Greg Williams, who. We all know the pedigree that Greg Williams' his mentality comes out of the fifties. Now they've probably rehabilitated some of that out of him. And what I mean by that is Baker's going to have this this hubris. That's all I can call it. This hubris on the field and the attitude. And there's going to be a defensive player like an Indomitian Sioux, where the coach is going to say, "Listen, I don't, I don't mind the fifties." All, all he's going to say is he's not going to give him instructions. He's just going to say, I, I, I don't mind the 15 yards if you get home, if you get there. And then Domicon's going to say, oh, coach, that's all I needed to hear. I was planning on it anyway. And they're going to teach Baker a bit of a lesson um, because of the way that he handles himself in the media, the, the thing, this thing with you. Like, he's going to start, and then he's going to bitch and complain about being targeted, but I can see it playing out that way because grown men aren't going to take him disrespecting them lightly. Like, we're, we're NFL athletes as well. We're NFL coaches as well. Like, let's keep it between the lines and let's keep it, you know, let's keep it G, let's keep it professional instead of this college stuff. Like, the level of competition is good but I think he takes it over the line almost to the point of college kids where, you know, I hate the enemy type of thing. And that's not what professional sports is actually like or about. And it's going to, I can see it. He also has, 
he's cut from a little bit of the Brett Favre tree. I think he's one of Brett's grandsons in that he has supreme belief in his ability to throw the ball. And as long as you surround players like that with the talent and the, uh, the other players that are going to make those type of plays, it doesn't backfire on you. But just like Patrick Mahomes, if take two of those playmakers away and you're still playing with the same reckless abandon, pushing the ball down the field in the tight windows, let's watch the picks mount up and then see what they say about Baker. Let's right. see. So No doubt. Um, this is uh, up your alley. France comes away with a World Cup win. Um, you know, I've, I've I've gotten over the years, you know, especially talking to you about it and our sons being excited about football, aka soccer. You know, I was looking forward to the to the World Cup, and it, it definitely didn't disappoint. France comes away uh, with the cup. Do you got any final thoughts for 2018 on the World Cup and what we saw? Um. Salute to really the final four. Um, Salute to France. Salute to Belgium. Salute to Croatia. Um, Salute to the host, even Russia. Um, France, you know, in in the global media, um, it's kind of funny because as Americans, we don't encounter how truly racist um, FIFA football is. Um, But there was some jokes or it was said sort of tongue-in-cheek by some of the players even that France was the only African team in the tournament. And, of course, people took offense to that, and there was all types of blowback and backlash um, that came, I believe, from an ethnocentric place. But I always have to say... You know, isn't it amazing the benefits that colonial powers reap from the terror that they reigned not more than two centuries ago in in other places in the world? You get the benefit of the best and the brightest athletes to come and play for you because they'll turn down the countries of their parentage or lineage to play for you know, England, to play for France, to play for Belgium, to play. And you see these players on the pitch, and invariably European teams always have at least two or three star, you got to call them what it is, star African players, and yet they have such issues in FIFA with racism, anywhere from um, Nazi chants to banana peels being thrown on the pitch to all of that. So that came to the forefront of this World Cup and particularly France winning because I think seven of the starting 11 players were of African descent. So it might have been, no, it might have been eight. So that was, a, that was an interesting storyline in the World Cup and the racism that reared its head during the tournament. But they played a masterful game. They have tremendous, tremendous potential not only in the starting 11, but the younger guys coming, they, they go probably 16, 17 deep, and it wouldn't surprise me um, to see them back at the next World Cup 
with an almost intact squad because none of those players are over 27 years old. So they're going to be a powerhouse for some years to come. No doubt. Um, One of the big stories of the year that kind of spilled off of the playing field, off of the court, if you will, um, Serena Williams and her quote-unquote blow-up at the U.S. Open. This was like a few months after her return to the court following the birth of her first child. She actually found herself in the final against 20-year-old Naomi Osaka. Um, Of course, she was one of Osaka's idols. So, you know, it was interesting to see this girl compete against one of her idols. Anyway, uh, the uh, the chair ump basically deducted a point from Serena Williams for committing three code violations, including um, receiving coaching from the stands, from the stands, and verbal abuse. Because after he warned her, and I guess after he took the point, she called him a thief, she called him a liar. You know, she kind of she kind of did her John McEnroe thing and berated the dude a little bit. Um, after the match, it was nothing different. She she went on and accused him of sexism. The the crazy part about this whole thing, it kind of overshadowed the the gravity of the situation of Naomi Osaka, who just took down her idol in a final for her first major at the at the ripe old age of twenty. But all anybody can talk about, no, we're talking about right now, is the fact that, you know, Serena and the chair um, got into it. But first of all, shout out to Naomi Osaka for handling her business in that match. Because the match wasn't close. So, you know, Serena can blow up and use that um, as, use it loosely as an excuse for why she lost. But the match wasn't close in the first place. Um, I, I feel oh, on a certain level, um, Serena has lost touch with, with Earth. She's lost her grounding because some of the things that she claims to stand for, she slighted Naomi Osaka, uh, uh, another black woman, a Haitian Japanese, of Haitian Japanese descent. She kind of slighted her because of the tirade and the performance. And you could argue that she was being a poor sport in so doing, because it's not as if these decisions that were made were putting the game in question. You were already losing. Naomi Osaka was whooping your ass. And you decided that your big, bad Serena Williams gift of the earth, you know, uh, 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 champion of, you know, whatever oppressed uh, soccer or tennis star, so let me throw this temper tantrum and whatever. But it wasn't, it, it felt to me as if it was in bad taste because it didn't respect the game and it definitely didn't respect your opponent. Um, and it didn't respect another black woman who who achieved a victory fair and square, in my opinion. Yeah, it was a crazy situation. I mean, afterwards, when they were getting the interview, she tried to, you know, quell the the media uh, 
questioning her about that situation and tried to get them to focus on what's important and and the the young woman getting her first major victory. But at the same time, it's like the damage was done, Serena. Like, had you not reacted the way you did and gone off the way you did, then she would have had her moment fair and square. But um, she's been going in in sports in 2018. Um, Many people want to look at it, you know, you get one loss like that. People want to look at it as the passing of the torch moment. I don't know if Serena's ready to pass that torch quite yet, but um, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out in 2019 and then beyond. Uh, Something that made a lot of people upset in 2018 was Colin Kaepernick's Nike ad, <laughs> where the still ad where he's you know basically talking about you gotta uh, what, is, what was the quote? Sacrifice everything. Uh, I'll pull it up. But either way, the Nike ad, the still ads, the actual video ad, it had a whole lot of people upset because there's a lot of people who look at it in a way where they think that Colin Kaepernick didn't sacrifice anything. And I don't really understand how they look at that. Of course, there's people out there putting more on the line for causes that they want to be active about. Of course, Colin Kaepernick plays a child's game, but when you're playing a child's game and you're getting paid millions to do it and you do something that will probably and seems like it has gotten him banned from that game for the rest of his life, then then you are pretty much, you know, you're you're putting something on the line. And there's a lot of people out there who don't understand that simply because of the fact that they don't want to understand that. People take sides, and then once you take a side, there's nothing from the other side. There's no perspective that that people can hear that will make them you know, walk a mile in, in another pair of shoes and understand in the least bit what somebody's going through, what somebody's thinking, what somebody's fighting for. So this this ad, you know, it they were, as we say, they were mad. <laughs> they were real first of mad. All, first of all, I would say, you know, salute to the great and honorable Colin Kaepernick for his decision to sacrifice his NFL football career to stand for human rights, justice, and righteousness for black people, brown people, and other folks that are mistreated uh, on a on a global level. Yo, salute to him. Like, because just what you said, I, I hate the narrative that's perpetuated that you have to be a starving artist or you have to be broke to be an activist or stand for, for, for something, particularly if you're black. Like there's white folks that, that, you know, their activism doesn't get questioned and they come from wealth, you know, but this man made his fortune playing ball and decided to sacrifice that to stand against injustice and intolerance, particularly black, uh, men and women being murdered and killed by the police and the government in the United States. Like he's fighting institutional white supremacy and racism, period. Like that's, that's what the focus is. And the machine and the people, the powers that be hijacked that narrative to say that in some way, shape, fashion, or form, he was 
disrespecting the American flag or disrespecting the institution of law enforcement or disrespecting the country when in truth, if you look historically, isn't, you know, the United States of America about, you know, protest and civil disobedience and, you know, the rebelling against injustice, isn't that what it's about? So what I really, really, I really hated was how the the mass, a certain part of the masses, decided to ignore his 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 quest and ignore what he was standing for and dictate the narrative as to what he was doing and what he was about. Like that was like so disgusting. It was it was it was insane. Um, as for Nike, you know. Salute to them in a sense because they they took a stand with them. But also remember, Nike spends millions and millions and millions of money analyzing market trends and what they they knew the response and what it would would be before it happened. And globally, Nike being a global company, they know that the world's view of Donald Trump ties into this, and they play this as Trump versus Kaepernick. And the rest of the world thinks Trump is an idiot. So regardless of whether they stood for what Colin Kaepernick stands for, they, they know he's opposed to Trump. So he Nike wins based on that in the long run as history actually is This is yeah. a long-term marketing move for Nike because at the end of the day, they're going to be around a long time from now. And when this situation is spoken about, they're going to be on the right side of history. So it's only going to be good for their brand in the long run. I mean, what, a couple of Wahoos burned their Nikes the, the, the day after it happened, Nikes that they had already paid for. So the company's not losing anything when you're burning merchandise that you had already gave the company money for. It was it was much ado about nothing for these people. They just wanted to put on a show. Um, they put on that little show. These people are probably still wearing Nike paraphernalia to this day. Um, but the slogan was believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything, just do it. So shout out to 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 Cat. Shout out to Nike. Um, like I said, we can analyze it and break it down a little more to know that Nike just isn't this you know hero brand, but you know. It, they still did it. It was done. is done. So salute to them for, you know, even having the balls. Um, we spoke about this a few weeks ago. Kareem Hunt, um, his video leaked of him basically in a fight with a, a woman that he had just met that night. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs are having a, a great season, and this might derail them for the long haul, um, which we still yet to, to see, you know, because it's still the regular season. So we still yet to see the long-term effects that this thing might have on the situation, but it's the same old, same old in the NFL. Um, the NFL knew about this. The chiefs knew about this, but once the video is leaked, then everybody wants to become the moral police. Everybody wants to do the quote unquote right thing to look like they care. Um, when the fact is 49% of the NFL's fan base are female. And it seems these days that you can beat up on a woman, but you cannot kneel during the playing of the national anthem um, because that's inexcusable. <laughs> it's, 
indefensible and it's just unforgivable. So just another day in the NFL to me, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, we, we can go yeah. back to the Ray Rice thing. When we found yeah, out no. later, they knew about the Ray Rice thing. They knew exactly what happened. Video surfaced. They want to act like they're the moral police. Same old thing. Same old. Yeah. The amount of men defending Kareem Hunt is a little scary. Like, they're like, yo, and, and Ray Rice for that matter. People defending yeah. Kareem Hunt. Hey, dude, people still defending Bill Cosby. So, we can't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> you got people out there still defending William H. Cosby. So, I don't, I don't know, man. Human, human beings. Uh, the yeah. didn't do that. No, no, no. All right, and um, the the JBA made its debut, um, and and the Ball family and all the drama that they've been through this year, uh, stemming from or starting from Jello stealing stuff in China while he was over there with UCLA, um, to the whole saga of the father taking him out of college, taking the other son out of high school, now. You know, putting them back in high school after he's taking them all around the world to play professionally, it's just a just one big crazy s show with the ball family. And and I'm not a I'm not a detractor. You know what I'm saying? I can I support LeVar Ball where I can, but in the, you know idiotic circumstances, you know I have to call a spade a spade in those particular circumstances. You know I'm one of those people I don't have to disagree with everything you're saying. I don't have to agree with everything you're saying. There's certain things, you know, that I can get behind that he does. And then there's certain other things that I'm like, yo, dude is off the hook and he's an idiot. But the crazy part is, you know, in a 2018 recap, you can't go without mentioning them. So in today's day and age, B, where any attention seems to be good publicity, good attention, like, the fact that people speak his name, do you think that's all he wanted in the long run? Just to be um, a part of the conversation? Yeah, I think that he feels as though, well, he's figured out how to monetize that. So for him, if there's enough, if he moves the needle enough, good or bad, it, it, he's able to monetize that for the attention that it brings. Um, that's just, to me, that's, that. That's a fact. Um, opinion of him, you already know. I think that he is quite possibly in 2018 the definition of a coon. Like I think that he's he's on he's on the coon track. So I, I just yeah, I can't from, from bad business practices to the way he treats his family to his exploiting his sons to the idiocy that he speaks in the media to the condoning of negative behavior to the, I'll take my ball and you guys won't play. I, I, it's just a litany. Cool train is coming. Cool train is coming. What about black on black crime? I totally understand why somebody would have that perspective. Um, about LeVar Ball and his antics. Um, like I said, there, but there's something that, that I could defend, that I could 
you know, say positive things about. But, you know, that's his thing. Like, he wants to be loud. He wants to be, and that's the part that I can't get with. He wants to just say crazy things because he knows it's going to get you clicks. It's going to get you views. It's going to get you listens. But what you said is the greatest thing. Like, if money is what's important to people in the world, and we know that, you know, a, a, a vast majority of the population, money is the end-all, be-all. You know, the fact that, like you admitted, that he found a way to monetize his craziness, then I guess in the money crowd, he's winning. Like, my my mentality has changed over the years. You talk to me when I'm 18, 19 years old, and everything was about the pursuit of money. Everything was about the pursuit of money. And throughout the years, I've learned that, you know, happiness doesn't just come in that relentless pursuit of money. There's a whole lot of other things in the world that gauge success other than, you know, how much money you have, how much money you've made, how much money you have access to, how much money you have the potential of making. But, you know, like I said, the vast majority is not that way. So that's why you get a lot of people that defend everything he's doing. Like, look, he getting money. That's the end all be all to everybody's argument with everything these days. Um, and I can't really get with that. I think I've matured past that point. Um, Le'Veon Bell, taking this back to the NFL, he took it all the way, forfeited his season, never signed his franchise tender. There was some back and forth, some yo-yoing, some points where you thought, okay, he's going to come in at this particular point. Um, and then the deadline came. We were sure he was coming in at that particular point. He even left where he was and went back to Pittsburgh. Something must have happened in between those days where he decided, no, I am not going to sign this franchise tender. Um, at the end of the day, do you think Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell made the right decision? Mm. I'll tell you. Only time with only yeah, yeah. Great. I'll tell you, even after I just made my spiel about money not being the end all be all. In this particular instance, the way football players, especially running backs, are used and discarded, I think you need to grab as much money as you can possibly make because we all know that the lifespan of an NFL player, let alone an NFL running back. <laughs> is a very short lifespan, even if you're one of the good ones. You know what I'm saying? So $804,000 per game. Forget the per game. He lost 14, he lost a 14 plus million dollar season. So like once he, once he forfeits the whole season, we don't even have to break it down per game anymore. He lost the whole franchise tender that he was um, offered and he could have played less than half the season and still made a lot of that money. So that's what I really didn't understand because if I was him, if I were him, I would have, I would have tried to beat the system in a more snake-like, rat-like way where I would have come back prior to the deadline. I would have accepted and signed my franchise tender, and then my ass would have faked the injury and wouldn't have played and got my money. I wouldn't have sat out the whole time never came back, never signed a tender, and never got any of my money. <laughs> I would have played it a whole different way, but that's, that's just me. So I kind of think in the long run, he loses that. I mean, he, 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 he saves a year as far as being fresh if, 
if that cliche even means anything to anybody, but I still think you you shaved a year off of your prime because no matter how much football you didn't get to play, you're still a human being and you're still aging. You're still getting older. So just because you didn't math, run a lot and now, still got six years. Um, and he gave up one, so you could have said seven and max six, probably more like four or five. Um, so the deal that he signs, he's hoping to match or exceed Todd Gurley. I don't believe that will happen. I don't believe that will happen. I think the best he can hope for is a guarantee that goes beyond 50% of his salary. I mean, we shall see. I mean, there's going to be suitors. It might not be a line around the block, but you have teams that you're already, you know, the Jets are already major players in the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes for next year. Um, Skyview in the chat room, uh, going back to the the Ball family conversation, he said, I think LaMelo is going to wind up playing at Memphis with Penny. I still don't understand how LaMelo is going to wind up playing anywhere in college after being a part of two professional basketball league like you could talk all of that he didn't accept the paycheck crap all you want he played in professional basketball teams I still don't understand how that's even possible but it seems like everything I read on the situation they're not making too big of a deal with that like they know that something's going to happen where he's going to be able to be eligible um he also said James Conner made Bell expendable um yeah I mean a mixture of offense and Pittsburgh of line and what James Conner was able to do behind it made Bell expendable in the fact that they still got the production from the running back position but impact wise you see where the Steelers are right now going into week 17 with the chance to miss the playoffs Conner Conner had three uh, Bell that you know no matter what his production level is, the attention that he's able to, to receive helps the offense tremendously. And I don't think they're looking, you know, at a possibility of missing the playoffs of Le'Veon Bell is there. So I Connor, don't think he's actually Connor had three distinct plays, and all of them were negative, and all of them were drops. Three drops on passes out of the backfield that – I know Le'Veon Bell makes those catches, and one or one or two of them cost them the game. I'm not. I, I like James Conner. I like his story. I do believe he is a starter quality NFL running back. He's not Le'Veon Bell. Don't know no. Not by long. No, no, no. All right, man. Well, I I can't think of anything else that happened in 2018. I'm pretty sure it's a lot, man. We cover a lot on this particular show, but of course we don't have enough time to get to everything, but man, it's been real to serve you good folks for another calendar year because, you know, our, our, the, the war room year doesn't end until, you know, early September. That's when we move into our next year of existence, but man, we've been doing this since September, 2010, um, we're, we're, we're working on a new year, 2019. Um, 2019 hopefully will bring a whole lot of new things for the War Room and War Room Sports. We still have things that 
<laughs> and we've been negotiating and working on for multiple years. Like you get into this B and you don't understand. I mean, because you see the lightning, the microwave society that we live in. You see how a lot of other things we think happen overnight. But then when you actually get behind the scenes on this or you have to go through some of this stuff yourself, you realize that everything is a process. You know what I'm saying? Because if something big did pop, people will think, oh, these dudes just came up overnight. I didn't know who they were. A lot of those people wouldn't know that we've been grinding for nine years, almost nine years. Just like Trust the stories that we see out there, we don't know how long they've been grinding. Like Take comedy, for example. People think um, uh, Tiffany Haddish, somebody like that, they think she just popped up overnight and she's just the, the it girl. Man, Tiffany Haddish been grinding for so long. <laughs> but people, people are not worried about the process. They're just worried about the end results. Look, man, it's a ball and it's a pleasure for us to do this for you guys every week. So I want to thank you, brothers and sisters, for joining us for another calendar year in the war room. Um, Shout out to everybody who chopped it up with us via the chat room. Uh, Skyview, you've held the chat room down for years. Uh, Neil, you've been holding it down with him for the past six months. Um, Ask Skyview, Neil, like six, seven years ago, the chat room used to be popping. Nobody want to talk to us during the show no more. I don't know what's up with that. But it, but we've come to that time where people, that's why podcasts are so popular now. There's not a lot of people who listen live to podcasts anymore. So we have our core um, audience, our core supporters that listen to us live every week. But most of our numbers come afterwards because everybody, this is an on-demand society these days. But we love y'all. No matter where you do it, live. On demand, or how you the show, man. As long as you you give us a listen and you give us your support, you check out our website, check out our social media pages, man. We appreciate everything that that everybody out there does. So again, shout out to everybody who chopped it up with us via the chat room, Facebook, Twitter, the War Room Sports Game Time uh, group on the Group Me app. Uh, Everything you did with us in 2018, as well as all the callers who called in the holler at us this year. Special thanks to Gus Griffin and Fred Purdue for contributing to the show um, all year again, and as, as well as special guests and special guest hosts who joined us in 2018. So tune in next week, live right here or on demand as we kick off 2019 in the War Room. We'll catch you up on everything happening around the world of sports to kick off the new year. So until then, Enjoy the rest of your holiday week, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, and we'll see you guys right back here next time. Be sure to catch our conversations on Facebook as well as our blogs, webcasts, and network podcasts on warroomsports.com. Also, make sure you pick up a copy of Jimmy's book, book.com or warroomsports.com. Until next time, everybody, don't accept mediocrity and be steadfast in the war against ignorance. We'll see you chumps in 2019. Oh well, yeah. Physical 
podcast, the tough push. Showtime like magic in the block push. Listen alive, push one to join in. Rip your team or listen for your enjoyment. Hip hop dollars, tip stop knowledge. Should be in sports credits, I ain't talking college. Five guys, no beef though. Sports thrift, beef thrift, but the streets know. Bellafani, I got a chief flow. KC, royalty, I'm in beast mode. Two hours, get your game up. Who's the best in sports cast? You better name us. War Room Sports. www.warroomsports.com What? Ain't no more to it.